All episodes of It's Great Business reflect the views and opinions of Intracoastal Marketing and Strategy Group and its guests and do not reflect the official policy or guidance of employers or government entities. You're listening to It's Great Business, sponsored by Intracoastal Marketing and Strategy Group, where great business equals great people. Welcome to another episode of It's Great Business, and I'm Janice Berg-Levy. Today, I have with me Bill Lee. Bill is a widely recognized leading expert on customer engagement and someone that I have known for many, many years. We won't say the number. He's published more than 20 times by Harvard Business Review, including his book, The Hidden Wealth of Customers. He's the founder of the Center for Customer in Engagement now in its 16th year, oh my goodness, a range of great firms, including Adobe, HubSpot, Box, Marketo, Ceridan, Zendesk, Workday, Apple, Amazon, Web Services, Salesforce, oh my gosh, Microsoft, Oracle, and Intuit have all been using his consulting services. So that's quite a list there. Uh, he's most recently um, led some really interesting roundtables with senior executives in business software and always talking about the future of customers in, especially now in the post pandemic. So my gosh, Bill, I mean, I knew you, I could say I knew you when. So welcome, welcome to It's Great Business. It's great to be here, Janice. Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. Boy, I mean, you are keeping some great company there. And I'm sure you've got lots of things to share with our listeners. But let's just tell me a little bit about who, who are you, right? We talked about all the things you're doing, but who are you? And kind of what's your purpose? What, what are you passionate about? Wow. I mean, you didn't even give me a, a chance to like catch my breath here before <laughs> talking about my purpose in life. Seriously? Yeah. I know. I think, uh, I think uh, Janice, at this point, uh, my purpose in business is to humanize business. Mm-hmm. We are, you know, we've got these amazing things going on with technology, with innovation, uh, and, 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 you know, with big tech, with uh, artificial intelligence, data analytics. Technology is amazing. And Sometimes we forget the human side of business. And I would, I would submit that still, with all this amazing stuff going on, it's the human factor that is most important, that can do most to leverage and grow and build a great business. So that's what, that's what, that's what my focus is. And I think there's a false choice also between financial success and, and the purpose of the business. Yeah. Yes. You know, the purpose needs to be something along the lines of something that you really are passionate about, that you really want to do something to make the world in some way a better place, mm-hmm. specifically to improve the, uh, the, the lives of your customers in some significant way. That's the purpose. And there's this feeling, there's a trade-off between that and financial success. And what we found and it's in the round table that you mentioned, it was extraordinary. I hope we get a couple of minutes to talk about it. What we found was that financial success and purpose doesn't represent a trade-off. Mm-hmm. Rather, purpose, being having fidelity to your purpose is the path to financial success. It's a remarkable finding. And it's something that a lot of companies don't understand. 
companies that do open up a lot of wealth. Mm -hmm. I agree with you. There's been so much now. I mean, certainly with everything going on with the, you know, the coining the ESG term, right, which is being thrown around, I think more and more um, being aligned to this core of the purpose. I think people kind of thought some of this was touchy feely, especially at the executive level. And now data is proving that there is a direct relationship between uh, financial success of any size business and this linkage to a clarity of purpose that people can that resonate with people, uh, and, and doesn't matter what the job is that they're, that you're doing. You could be blue collar, white collar, it doesn't matter. I think that that's really important. So I totally agree with you. So, Bill, we we kind of jumped into this, but how did you end up doing what you're doing? Tell me a little bit about your personal and career journey because we're always fascinated, as are our listeners about how people end up where they are and where they started. Well, my, my journey, Janice, uh, can, be, can be summed up in a short phrase. Uh, it's all over the place. I mean, there's no rhyme or reason to it as far as I can tell, even, even as I look back on it. So one of, the, one of the things that was formative for me was when I got, I was sort of a, you know, I was sort of a goof off to use a polite term. When I was younger, I kind of rebelled a lot, didn't really have a sense of direction. I was sort of the opposite of my father, who knew from the time he was a teenager, he wanted to be a builder. And a builder is what he became his whole life. Uh -huh, he did it in uh -huh. the Navy. He did it in his been in the business, very successful business he started. I was the opposite. I had no clue. So I experimented, and I tried a lot of different things. I've uh, And one of the things that I did in school, I got serious finally when I was in college, and I started doing well, and I decided to start challenging myself. And long story short, I changed my major to mathematics. I figured that would be challenging. Mm -hmm. I did well. I, I graduated near the top of my class. I got a teaching fellowship at Stanford University. I spent a year at Stanford doing the beautiful mind thing. If you've seen that movie, yeah, Goodwill sure. Hunting. That, yeah. I lived that life for a year. Wow. Didn't know and, that. And... Uh, at one point, I was taking a class from this professor, and he gave us a homework assignment. And the homework assignment was like six or eight problems he gave us. We took it home and, and then worked on it. And after I got as far as I could, I went in to see him to get some tips or, or some help with a couple of the problems, which he gave me. And then he said, what about, he said to me, what about that first problem there? Which I thought had been really easy. And I said, what about it? And he said, what did you think of it? I said, I thought it was easy. I solved it and went on. Mm -hmm. He said, that's impossible. So did you bring, you know, your proof with you? And I, I had it with me. So I showed it to him and uh, he said, this can't be. And then he really said, this can't be right. It was only like 12 lines, half a sheet solving this proof that he had given us. And he said, again, that's impossible. I said, well, show me where it's wrong. So he, he went over it once, twice, and three times. And finally, he said, I don't believe this. He, all he could do was shake his head. And then he told me the story. He said, I put this problem in as a ringer. It's one that I came up, uh, came upon in my own research, a very advanced level. Yeah. I couldn't solve it. Uh, so I took it to, there was another guy at Stanford who was world renowned in this particular branch of, of mathematics. I mm -hmm. took it to him. It took him like 12 sheets of complex calculations, 
and so forth and so on. Very complicated and, and convoluted to solve this problem. I'd solved it in 12 lines. And that's what I gravitate towards is taking complex, overly complex things mm -hmm. and simplifying them. From math to customer relationships. Love it. Oh, well, that's, there's more circuitous uh, uh, you know, stops along the way in, in that journey. But I think a theme in all of this and in, in all that I've done has been to take things that have become overly complicated and that are defeating the purpose that mm -hmm. you had to mm -hmm. begin with and, and simplifying them. Wow. That's been a big thing for me. So, so as you think about, you know, this journey from math, <laughs> mathematics um, and you think about where you are. So you started in mathematics and then what happened after that? So then where did you go? Uh, then I went to, uh, I decided I did not want a career in, as a mathematician. So I went to work in my dance business and that was probably the best business learning experience. One of the best that I've had working, uh, working with him. And he let me do everything. I mean, he, my first day on the job, he sent me out to a job site. He said, we're building a warehouse out there. It's not too complicated. It's like a tilt wall warehouse. Uh, and I want you to go out there. I want you to be the job site superintendent. I want you to run the job. Wow. And the only, the only, the only work I'd ever done was summer jobs with him. So what, how old was, were you? Like in your 20s at this point? Uh, yes, yes. You were a kid, yeah. I was, in my, yeah. Uh, okay. I was in my 20s. And I'd never worked from a management. I'd always worked summer jobs for dad, you know, mm -hmm. pushing mm -hmm. a broom or, or pouring concrete <laughs> and yeah. stuff. Uh, all very labor intensive. I'd never mm -hmm. done any sort of like the head work or the executive work of his organization. And all, now all of a sudden I'm running a job site. Hey, being thrown in. That, that's a, there's a great theme here in terms of, you know, always saying yes, which we talk about on this, right? Being a sponge and being thrown in. If you expect somebody to, you know, who's, you know, a boss that's going to walk you through every detail, then why do they need you? So they want to see how you think about it. And, and that's how you learn. That's, I mean, I this is a really important for those that are starting out or even somebody who's in the middle who's saying, I want to do something completely different. I'm marked for pick a field and I don't want to do that anymore. Pick for science yeah. and I want to go into, I don't know, pick something completely opposite from that. So, so now, you know, you, you've, you've done all of that and, you know, and here you are at this point, if you think about success, how would you define it? Well, I would define, the way I used to define success was recognition. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I wanted to get the accolades. I wanted to get the check or the raise. I wanted to get, uh, and so forth, and whatever awards, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Uh, that was, you know, just the recognition. And now as I've progressed, in my career, and this is probably similar to what I think you're doing, Janice, is contribution. Yes. How much am I con contributing to society? Yep. And that includes business. We sometimes think our businesses, we've got some very big, wealthy, incredibly wealthy tech executives that, that don't seem to have that, that perspective on their businesses. They're making, they're, they're making billions and billions of dollars. They don't pay taxes. And they okay. set it up that way to minimize their taxes. Or ta well, taxes, of course, uh, represent your contribution back to the society 
that enables you to have this success. I mean, come on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I think, you know, the, the contribution part to the greater good, yeah. I think yeah. is, is, is really important. And I get satisfaction that when I feel like I'm doing that. Yeah, I, you know, you echo um, what a lot of other guests have talked about is that it takes a while. We were all been laughing about this because, you know, as a kid or, you know, just coming out of college, it's all about the money. I got to be able to pay my bills and that whole like, you know, the next promotion, the next promotion. And I think at least that's how it used to be, because there's an interesting perspective on this. And then then you sort of look back and call it the second act or whatever you want to call it, third act. No. And you start to say, well, whoa, 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 hold on a second. Is this all there is? You know, there's got to be something else. Why am I here? And I hate to get all, you know, heady about it and whatever, but like, why am I here? What's my contribution? And what I am observing, at least from some of the younger folks that are coming in is and I think this is a positive is that, yeah, assuming you have enough money for food and something, you know, a shelter, right? The basics, they want to work in a company that is giving back. They want to give their time back to society. And I think that that, I, I hope this continues because that's really, I mean, they're starting at an age that's much earlier than where, you know, our generations had been. So I think that's a positive. And so, Really, if you're listening and you're thinking about that, the answer is you can do both and you can demand that too, because that's where these companies of all sizes are starting to change because they're realizing if they want to get employees, good employees, that they need to offer that wealth, those wealth of, of options, which is not only helping the business succeed, but helping society um, do the same. So Bill, I'm, I'm right with you on that. So when you think about your journey, I always have to ask this question. Is there I mean, anything so you would have- deep one? This another is a deep, deep one, Bill. This is oh, a deep man. one. I may need a break. Anything you would have done differently? Anything I would have done differently? Oh, millions of things. But you know what, Janice? I, 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 I actually don't think about that much. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking, where's the opportunity now? Yep. I've missed some opportunities, that's for sure. And uh, probably, probably my big, I'll share one with you uh, and then we'll move on. But one was, you know, I found that one good way to invest is to limit your, your universe of possibilities to companies that you yourself do business with, mm -hmm. right? You're, you're paying them money. Right. You know, cause, cause you know, I mean, I'm fairly, representative in a lot of ways of everybody else. So if I start shopping at Target, or if I start, you know, if I buy, if I buy, you know, an iPhone, or okay. something like that, uh, or to the, the point I'm about to make, if I start buying stuff from Amazon, yes, way back when they were just selling books, and then I'm buying stuff when they start selling electronics, and then I'm buying stuff from blah, blah, blah. In my little system, those are supposed to be signals to buy their stock. Yes. I never did. <gasps> you didn't. I never bought Amazon. And I'm, I, and it was like, I am smiling because that was my father's philosophy for investing. And he did. Good he for did. him. 
he would ask uh, where I was shopping, favorite brand, and then that was the tip that he gave to everyone. So I'm smiling. Smart man. Yes. Smart man. Yes. And follow yeah. you funny, follow through. They did. So I have other stocks, but not this one. This is the big. This is the yeah. big. Yeah, yeah. There's some good ones there. So we're gonna switch for a second here, and we're gonna go real fast, lightning round. Fun facts about Bill. So this is easy, Bill. You don't have to read anything. You don't have to study. Um, although I am going to ask you the first question, which is, what is your favorite book? My favorite book. My favorite book at the moment is The Code Breaker. Okay. It's Walter Isaac Isaacson uh, biography, and that's that is my current favorite book. Wonderful. Favorite movie or streaming show? Because heaven knows, I know my personally, I've been watching a lot of streaming. Uh, well, have we all? Is anybody not doing that? My, I've got two favorites. I think okay. one is Bosch. It's a detective oh, series. Oh yes, yes, I can Titus see that. Titus Yeah. And uh, the second one is a French movie. It's subtitles. No, I'm sorry, a French streaming ser uh, series mm -hmm. called Call My Agent. It's about uh, an agent, they're, they're entertainment actors and so forth, uh, an agency for actors and so forth in, in entertainment. And, and these big French stars sometimes do cameos or, or in, or in mm -hmm, various mm -hmm. episodes and so forth. So two very different yeah. series. One, you know, detectives straight ahead. The other, like this totally dysfunctional group of wacky, you know, agents and so forth. But the thing they have in common is that the relationships that develop, it's all about the relationships yes. they're developing. The story is just like, you know, kind of the frame they put these relationships mm -hmm. in, mm -hmm. but the relationships are everything. And the relationship development in both of those is extraordinary. Sounds good, sounds good. All right, favorite city. Favorite city, I'm gonna give you a kind of an old school answer that it's still New York City. Yeah, yeah. There's something, you know, I don't live there. I, I wouldn't live there, but but visiting there is such a shot of adrenaline. And the way the way I like to, to visit New York is, you know, instead of just flying in like to you know, LaGuardia or something and then taking a taxi mm -hmm. into the city, uh, I like it when I can come in by train and you sort of go underground mm -hmm. and so before you actually get to the city. And then when you get there, you're coming up these long stairs and you just, you're right, you know, in midtown Manhattan, mm -hmm. all those buildings, all that energy just, just, just rushes and surrounds you. What a rush. It is. And I will tell you, they might want to hire you for their new campaign because their campaign is running now about, you know, they're, they're back, come back. So uh, yeah, well, it's, it's nice to see that because it was a, it was tough times for the city. New York, in your case, I will make myself available. There you go. All right. We'll, we'll, I actually we'll let wrote them a poem. know. I actually wrote a poem about oh. that experience. It's the only poem I've ever written in my life. Oh, well, we're going to have to post it. We're going to we're going to have to do something on social for it. I, I think I've still got it. Okay. We'll go. You go dig that up and we'll, we'll see if we I'll can share that with the up. listeners. Okay. And last one, favorite food. My favorite food food is probably I love all food Janice how do you pick me too but what I, I guess where I am is that I'm trying to eat healthy trying to eat clean as they mm -hmm, say mm -hmm. and there are certain I think Mediterranean food mm 
Mm -hmm. I love, and it's, you know, it qualifies for that. I stay away from fried chicken these days or hamburgers. So that's, uh, that's my favorite, clean and healthy. Good deal. With a bias towards Mediterranean. Sounds yummy, making me hungry. Okay, so how can listeners reach you? I am easy to find. Just Google Bill Lee, and that will get you the governor of Tennessee. But then, uh, and then I'm a little PO'd at this guy. What, who does he think he is? But anyway, uh, and then uh, I've got, uh, and, and then Center for Customer Engagement or okay. LinkedIn. Just, just add a, a few words like that, and you will find me. You got it. Wonderful. Sounds great. So if you need any help in customer relationship management, Bill is the person. He is your man. And uh, he does, I can attest, he does know a lot about this space and there continues to be a huge focus on this importance. So thanks everyone for listening to It's Great Business. And we hope that we will hear from you soon. Take care. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. Also, check us out on Facebook at Intracoastal Marketing, LinkedIn at Intracoastal Marketing and Strategy Group, and Instagram and Twitter at It's Great Business. And visit us on the web at intracoastalmarketingstrategy.com.